this week is a slightly different format. Tom and I had the great opportunity of going to a tech conference in Plymouth called FutureSync. And so our question for this week is, what's it like to go to a tech conference? Here we are emerging from the tunnel. Yeah, just around this bend. You ready to the magnificent sight? There it is, Tamar Bridge, 1961. Going north, north of the border. The reason we are leaving Cornwall is so that we can attend FutureSync, um, where Tom is, as you may have heard on previous episodes, doing a talk. Well, I don't know, I think I kept, I kept that pretty quiet. <laughs> didn't, didn't go on about it too much. No, no, only every episode that we've mentioned it so far. Um, but we're very excited for a fun day of speaking to people about their experiences and hopefully asking them some questions. Now Tom's about to pay, yeah, well, so we can some, actually get out of Cornwall. Should we get some uh, foley work going on this? Yeah, the that. money that they need. Hi there. Thank you. And we're through. Once we were at the conference, we had the opportunity to start chatting to some of the people there. I'm Dylan Shimon. I work for SitePen, which is a JavaScript consultancy based in the US and with some team members in the UK as well. And I'm also part of Dojo, which is an open source framework for JavaScript. And we're here at FutureSync. What's brought you here? Uh, so I know the organizer, Tony, he spoke at Halfstack, which is a conference I run in London, and he invited me here to speak about the future of the web. One of the first questions I asked each of the people we interviewed was one piece of advice for those who are just beginning to learn to code. Yeah, I, I guess I would have liked to have known, um, well, obviously everything I did not know, which is the easy answer, of course. Yeah, but I think um, really just having a foundation in logic and reasoning really helped me get started as an engineer, but it didn't help me know what I didn't know. Like, because programming can be very, um, inviting up front, like it can feel like I can power the world, I can change the world, but you don't necessarily know up front the consequences of what you're doing or the limitations of what you're doing. And you really only gain that through experience. But once you have that experience, you can be much more productive and efficient. And really a lot of that comes through sort of the clarity of thought you can develop. So you're building code not just for yourself, but yourself in a year or your team in a year. And if you don't take the time to sort of be clear and concise about what you're doing, it's difficult to remember why you did something a certain way. So, yeah. so that involves things like making sure you're commenting or writing the code clearly, things like that? Yeah, both commenting as well as yeah, real clear thought around APIs and like design, not just design for how it looks, but how the code is designed and structured in a way that will be easy to maintain, that will make sense to you later, that is efficient, where you're looking for, how can I make this block of code not just as small as possible, but as clean and understandable and efficient as possible? Yeah, I mean, I, um, I end up writing a lot of like spaghetti code <laughs> where, where I go back to it and I just haven't got a clue what... Uh, what is going on, so I guess that's a really good thing. Yeah. We like to support other podcasters here, and Dylan had his own podcast to promote. My company runs a podcast called TalkScript, which you can find at talkscript.fm, and it's a look at TypeScript, JavaScript, the web ecosystem as a whole, with a really large amount of humor and banter, and we interview a lot of great people and have a lot of fun doing it. Uh, hi, I'm Dan. I work for Arm as a front-end developer. And that piece of advice for people learning to code. Don't get stuck for too long ask for help quicker because I always used to get stuck trying to do something for hours on end and it was just easier to ask people for help and I never did 
and then you should just do that. Pretend you're stuck at home. Who would you ask for help? I guess everyone Googles things, but also like find yourself friends and community who can help. So like we've got the Cornwall Geek Slack down in Cornwall. They're great. If you ever need a hand, you can go to them and ask a question. Even if it's stupid, they'll answer you and make you not feel stupid about it. Brilliant. Yeah, I've found a lot of very helpful people there. Um, have you got a question, Tom? No, but I definitely want to reiterate Dan's point about uh, asking for help because I, I too have encountered that problem. It's not something we've ever talked on talked about on the podcast before, I don't think, but it is really important. Yeah, we definitely, I might even do a whole episode about asking for help. So we're now walking to the first set of talks. Um, Tom will be in the afternoon, so we've got that to look forward to. Are you enjoying yourself so far, Tom? Yeah, it's great. Uh, there was a surprise bit where I had to get up and give a preview of my talk, which I wasn't prepared for at all. And you, were the, and you went first as well, which is ultra impressive. Yeah, I stood in absolutely the wrong place when I got on the stage. Yeah, <laughs> it was terrible. Tech conferences take a lot of work to run, and this one was no different. Uh, there were a lot of people that volunteered during the day, and we got to speak to one of them and find out a bit about what they do. Uh, my name is Will. And are you helping out today? I am helping out today, yes, for all of your needs at FutureSync. Oh, amazing. So what sorts of things have you got to be doing? Uh, so right now I'm just making sure everyone is going to the, the tracks that they want to go to. Any sort of problems that come up, I'm here to sort it out. I'm also here to make sure your day is as easy as possible. Amazing. Level of stress, 1 to 10. How are you getting paid? Uh, 12. <laughs> okay. And then we got a chance to ask Tony, the, one of the people running the conference, his level of stress. One, I don't get stressed. So here we are emerging from the first set of talks. How did you find them, Tom? Oh, it's fascinating. Yeah, some really interesting stuff. I'm going to go, and, particularly that last one we just watched about CSS Grid. I'm going to go and redo a whole load of things this weekend. <laughs> that was really inspiring. Yeah, my website was, is also made in CSS Grid, and I realised I'm doing it all wrong. <laughs> During the lunchtime, there were lots of stalls around the outside, and we got to go and chat to one of the people running one of those stalls. My name's Tony. I work for the STEM Ambassador Programme, which is a national programme of volunteers from people who work in any STEM-related industry, so science, technology, engineering, and maths. And what we have is we have volunteers who will give their time to try and inspire young people to be the next generation of coders and tech gurus and everything else. That's brilliant. I'm also uh, I'm currently a teacher, so I'm trying to change career into that. So I do run a little uh, coding club. Do you uh, do you have anything to do with in-school activities? Absolutely. Yeah, we have. Um, yeah, we have this network of STEM ambassador volunteers who are willing to give some time to do that. So we support STEM clubs, code clubs, anything like that. We find people who are interested in doing that and we link them up to schools, colleges, groups, community groups, scouts, club, cubs, brownies, code clubs, anything you like. So they can kind of inspire the next lot of people to carry on. Brilliant. And uh, where could we find out more information if we were interested in getting help or getting involved? Yeah, brilliant. You just need to search for STEM Ambassador website online. So if you're at stem.org.uk and then look for the STEM Ambassador program, you can contact us there or you can email me on tony.oatway at csw.group.co.uk. And lunch gave us plenty of time to be getting around chatting to other people. My name is Edwin Love. I'm a, uh, a developer, I suppose. Uh, I work at Head Forwards. So, Edwin, Python developer, but not always Python developer. How's the switch gone now that you're like a well, year in? I've switched to Python. Uh, and then rapidly switched away from it. So I'm, I was PHP for 12 years, and I was recruited as a as a Python developer. And I've written one bit of Python, which I don't think anyone's using. It might be, um, but I've been Go ever since. So what the the other thing I want to know is how does how did the process of switching language compare when you're an experienced programmer already to when you were first learning it? 
It's pretty seamless in a way. It's 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 just programming really. Yeah, it's been a long time since I last did it, but um, I have in the, in those years I have tinkered with things here and there. So having people next to me where I'm working, so I can say, oh, I want to do this. How do I do it? Whereas previously when I was switched, it was like, uh, uh, I don't know how to do anything. Uh, with the experience, I've got all the kind of ideas of what I want to do. It's just not knowing exactly how to do them and the, the rights and the kind of the iconic, you know, the, the Pythonic or the, the Goish way of doing it. It's, you know, yeah, working that out. So, yeah, it's, yeah I've enjoyed it. It's, I think it's, it's, it's important to, to have that broad base to your skills to, to understand yeah, where you are with it. Or, um, I think to have stayed in the same thing going forwards would have been, felt a bit in the corner. So it's, yeah, I'm glad I did it. My name's Christopher Jenner and I am a part of UTC Plymouth. I study engineering in A-level as a, in a BTEC level three. I, I am interested also in software programming outside of my course. So you're at the, sta you're at the stage where you're making big decisions about your future and you've got to think sort of university, internship, apprenticeship, that kind of thing. What are, you, what are your thoughts at the moment? Uh, at the moment, I'm open to most things. I've got a place here in, this, in Plymouth University, but I'm also looking for an internship or a, over the summer or an advanced apprenticeship that you can go to uni, that the company pays for you to go to uni and do the course that they want you to do which is also a good idea. That sounds like a really good path. And you're here today just as a casual observer to enjoy the surroundings? Yes. But we've, we've spoken before on the podcast about the um, importance of getting out and, and meeting other people and sort of getting beyond the bounds of any kind of classroom environment you're at. And um, from talking to you earlier, it sounds like you're kind of unusual in, that, in your peers. Yes, because I think looking around, you get a better understanding of what actually is out there and not looking off into the far distance and thinking, oh yeah, I might get that. But you haven't spoken to the person, it doesn't feel the same type of thing. So it's about getting that sort of like real world experience of like just experiencing people who are doing the thing you want to do as a living and how they kind of present themselves. Yes, it just I think just getting the experience is mostly a part of jobs these days and people are always looking for experience. Uh, well, my name's Ben Everard, I'm a developer and I run the Idea Bureau. We're a remote digital agency. We work with charities worldwide. Um, it's my first question I've been asking everyone today is um, what's one piece of advice you would give to someone that's just starting to learn to code? I, this is like a non-answer, but just enjoy it, I guess. The thing is, when you start to code, it's like the worst thing ever. Something's not working, you think the whole world's going to implode, but try and enjoy it. If you have a mentor, it's even better though. Because when you have that moment where you've spent half a day wondering why something won't print out onto a screen, being able to fall back on that person and get their one-to-one their -one input is probably, I imagine, because I've not had a mentor or been a mentor, I imagine quite useful. So that's what I'd say. Enjoy it. And if you've got a mentor, use them. And if you don't, get one. So you didn't have a mentor? You never had a mentor sort of person in your life? No, when I started about 14 years ago, that was when Visual Basic 6 was a thing. The older people around me are now nodding. I used to rip off, not rip off, I used to, I used to download other people's applications and just modify them. I never used to do anything with them, but that was a, an easy in for me back in the day. And then my kind of, I guess, m motivation or something took over, you know, just where I started to do a bit more and then worked with the PHP and JavaScript. Um, so what do you do like day to day in your job? I am, so I co-founded the company, so a lot of business stuff, and I'm also a developer, so lots of PHP, uh, lots of um, front-end frameworks, JavaScript. I've just, um, just been to Michelle Barker's talk about CSS Grid, and uh, I heard her speak at WebDevConf um, last year, 
and it's transformed the way I build my front end stuff. So those are kind of things I do. Lots of WordPress, lots of Laravel, just lots of lots of development. And do you create websites for charities? Is that you're involved in charity somehow? Yeah. So the business, our business, we've been going six years now, and most of our clients are charities. And we build websites or apps for whatever whatever it is that they're marketing. So um, our most recent one would have been talking about. It was, a, it was an atlas to kind of demonstrate the issues around street-connected children worldwide, what the laws are in each state uh, on many different topics. So, yeah, we do a lot of those kind of things. It's, uh, it's an interesting topic. It's nice to be doing something that actually makes a difference, you know, as opposed to just banging out code for the sake of it. We went to a launch recently for this product, and there was we learned there was a 1,000 other people involved in this one project all trying to improve the state of um, street-connected children worldwide. So that was really interesting. And uh, yeah, no, it's just it's just interesting when you know it's, it's doing something. Yeah, it's nice being able to actually help people as opposed to just trying to make money for investors or something. Exactly, yeah. So it's got a, it's got a nice kickback to it. Yeah, it was, did, I don't know if you saw the talk earlier about the natural disasters. I thought that was another really interesting use of how you can use your coding skills to really have, to have an impact and help people. Yeah, and what I found interesting about that talk was when John was talking about in a natural disaster, SMS is probably the, the best thing to fall back on. So from a technical point, that was quite interesting. And I quite like the idea of, you know, you, these days you've got so many new technologies, but to regress, not regress, but to go back to SMS to kind of enable yourself, whether it's for a natural disaster or otherwise, I think it's just damn awesome. So I really enjoyed that talk, big time, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? We've got all this modern technology and then when something happens, we go backwards. <laughs> yeah. But as, as was demonstrated, I think that's, um, that could be cool. You know, that could be a, a real cool use of, of an old technology because it, it's so, it uses so little bandwidth. It's so available um, based on what I know now. And it's cool that companies like Twilio exist to kind of enable that. I don't, I have not actually used Twilio. I kind of get a bit lazier than that and use some of the uh, If This and That and Zapier um, features, which is, it's, you know, it's a bit more easy to put together. But I've got it in my notebook now to go and have a, have a play with it because I think I really need to. Brilliant. And just to finish off, are you, are you looking forward to any particular talk this afternoon? Well, my friend Ruth John will be talking, um, I think she's the last one on in the design sprint, uh, design track, and she's going to be talking about how to be a digital artist. And um, I always like her talks. They're, they're always very creative, so I'm looking forward to that one. And like I said, I think the CSS Grid one was the other one that, I, that I've already been to so far that I really enjoyed, because I think that, for me, had the, the biggest impact when I first heard... Uh, Michelle talked previously and today it's the biggest impact on my development so um, those are the two that I'm really looking forward to. I'm using CSS Grid and I just realised I'm using it all wrong. Well, <laughs> so, isn't that funny? That, that's, um, but that's a good thing. Yeah. But it was, it was the first time I've used CSS Grid in production um, this year and it's transformed the way that I build my front-end front -end websites and what I quite liked about it was we're building, we're building the second version of our business website now and I was able to create these components in minutes. You know, literally minutes. It's just a slight variation on the next thing, and it, I created it in minutes. And when, when my business partner, who does design shame, when he says to me, I tell you what, I want this a little bit, little bit different, I no longer shudder at the thought that I'm going to have to completely trash the whole thing. I can just tweak the grid a bit. That's genius. So, um, yeah, no, I really enjoy that. Those technologies are amazing. It's really making uh, front-end development um, a joy, really, I guess. Well, thank you very much for your time. I'm sure you want to go and have some more lunch or something. But thank you very much. Pleasure. After lunch, we had Tom's talk. Here we are in the <laughs> afternoon of Future Sync, and up next we've got the most exciting talk of the day by our very own Tom. How are you feeling? 
Oh, f fine, steady as a rock. Yeah, not nervous at all. Fantastic, and obviously we've all been following through as this has progressed from not much yesterday to a uh, full power <laughs> uh, feature today. So we're, I'm all very excited. You excited? Yes, I'm excited to be finished when I am finished. <laughs> And I'd like to let you know that Tom's talk was a success and we'll be putting links to that uh, when it's available online. Hi, my name's Paul. Um, I run a software engineering company in Plymouth called Row IT, um, based up at the Science Park. I've heard someone said, said to me that you're involved in helping people learn to code. Is that something you do at that company? So we are a software engineer organisation, so we employ coders. So one of the things that um, you know we do is, is hire people and... Um, in the last 12 months, we've taken on three graduates from the, from the university. Um, they are all, all software engineering graduates. Um, however, coming out of university, you're not equipped with all the tools. So part of our program when they join our organization is that we give them sufficient mentoring and training to get them up to speed on the technologies that are really relevant in our industry. So is that like an apprenticeship? Is there a certain amount of time where you'll give them that or is it just they just learn on the job as they go along? It's pretty much learning on the job we take time out to make sure that they receive enough attention from the more senior players. We're very blessed to have a senior team that can actually share their knowledge with um, the new guys coming on board. Well, that's fantastic. Do you recruit people that maybe don't have a degree or aren't coming straight out of university that are still new to the profession? Not at the moment. It's, um, I've always been a great believer in hiring on calibre rather than skills. Um, but there's a certain advantage of hiring the calibre and the people with the skills. Um, given that we're a small organisation at the moment um, and that we're looking for two or three a year coming in, we're managing to find that. Um, however, going forward, we probably would be looking at the wider calibre question and maybe then growing our own folly from, from scratch. So it's not, it's not a case of you don't believe that self-taught developers can't be good, it's just at the moment you've got a good thing going on with people from the university. Absolutely, and in fact I'm a self-taught developer. At the age of 13, I uh, have my own micro piece, um, computer and I taught myself to code. And going to university just reinforced that. So I, I believe the best coders are the ones that learn out of university, the guys that are doing it at home. They're the ones with the real interest and the real passion for, for the subject. And I saw that you're a sponsor of the FutureSync conference. Why did you feel that it's a good thing for your company to do that? Well, I came to the FutureSync a couple of years ago. I'm really impressed with the event. Um, there's a lot of good people turning up, quite interesting people. So it was an opportunity to really spread the word of my company. And, um, you know, we're looking to hire and there's lots of good devs here. So. Um, we're really hoping that um, certainly there'll be some brand awareness and they might get in touch. Have you enjoyed any particular talk today or have you, have you managed to see many? Um, they've all been great. Um, really enjoyed Zuby. Um, a bit left of field, but actually a real slick presentation. Who knew that rapping and social media could be so interesting? Yeah, unfortunately I missed that one. There's so many going on. It's hard to um, yeah. get to the one, all of them, the ones that you want to see, isn't it? Something like this. Yeah. My name's Toby Parkins, I'm one of the directors of Head Forwards. Um, we're an outsourced software company based in Cornwall, just over 100 people. What piece of advice would you give to someone that is starting out learning to code? What maybe would you wanted to have known when you were starting out? I think the key thing, actually, just like with today, actually, we're doing more programming um, you know, at the conference here. Um, actually, trying to find at least another person who maybe is at a similar level, maybe they're more advanced, but potentially, you know, somebody else at a similar level and actually do some pairing, or, you know, if you can find two people, even better, 
you know, form like a little mob and, and actually do it collaboratively with other people because everybody will then be able to work and help one another overcome all the challenges that there are. When you, you know, whenever you're learning any kind of coding or any new framework or library or whatever, then you know, there's, you're continually faced with barriers, challenges, hurdles that you've got to get over. And one of the great things about mobbing um, and pairing to a certain extent is that you know, it enables you to overcome those challenges more, more easily because you can work with other people that allows you to share your experience and knowledge with others um, and therefore actually you end up learning more quickly and also you know it's, it's, it's a little bit more social and you know you can support one another um, and therefore learn a lot more um, in, a, in a shorter space of time so yeah that's my off-the-cuff tip <laughs> that's very good and um, we were talking a minute ago before we started recording about making mistakes and I guess that sort of mob environment where everyone's sat around kind of does help to eliminate those sorts of mistakes. Is that one of the reasons, or is that a good way of learning? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, you know, whenever you write code, whenever you start, you know, the thing doesn't work, you know. So you, you start off with that it's not working and you go through lots and lots and lots of attempts to you know write code until eventually you know something works and so actually it's sort of 99% failure in some ways but that's okay that's like you know that's really cool there's not a problem and actually I think a lot of people obviously probably conditioned via school that you know into this idea that you've got to get it right all the time you know you've got to get 100% you've got to get green ticks all the time and actually coding is not about that it's actually about you know failing fast quickly frequently and then under learning from those failures and you know just accepting that's part of it um, and actually working with other people when you actually you make a mistake in front of other people well actually if they're working with you then it's everyone's uh, mistake you know and let's face it all developers write bugs and you know we we just need to sort of enable people to realise that that's pretty cool actually, that's fine. And actually if you work together and you can actually avoid writing as many bugs because you're collaborating as a team. And I guess mistakes help people to learn quicker as well, don't they? Because if you wrote something perfectly the first time, you would never learn from it. So for example, I've gone through tutorials where I maybe don't change anything, just copy the tutorial exactly, fine, but then you go back again and maybe change something like maybe just one word, the name of a variable or something, and then you, it breaks, <laughs> and that's when you learn about how things actually work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, le learning about constraints and learning what doesn't work is, is more important in some ways than knowing what does work, because uh, sooner or later something will break, as you say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I see that you're sponsoring FutureSync. Um, what what made you to decide to get involved with this conference? Um, we sponsor, we've sponsored it before. Obviously, you know, I set up uh, Agile on the Beach. The, the um, Agile conference in Cornwall quite a few years ago, eight, nine years ago, I suppose. And, uh, you know, so I know how hard it is to get things up and running. I mean, you know, Agile on the Beach now has, uh, you know, it's got quite a big reputation. <laughs> um, you know, it's got a sort of certain international recognition now and it, it's, it's a sort of self-sustaining. It's still run as a not-for-profit company, but it is, you know, it is self-sustaining and, and now actually producing a surplus that we're able to put back into education projects and things but you know in the early days it, it was really it was tough you know just like setting up any business um, is is tough in the in the beginning and uh, 
you know, so I think that the team behind FutureSync, you know, they, you know, they're not doing it to make any money. They're doing it as a, you know, a good, really great community conference, and supporting the community is one of the best things that I think companies like Head Forwards can do. Yeah, and it's nice. It's really nice being seeing people from different disciplines coming together and discussing and maybe learning new things that they haven't before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, just learning and sharing ideas and new thoughts, and you know, allowing people to develop and learn more. Um, but most importantly, I think community is, is a really important part of that. You know, you know, we always say like within um, software development teams, you know, it, it's the team's responsibility to deliver, and it's the team's responsibility to deal with any bugs or you know share responsibility for um, things not working. But they also, you know, can collectively, you know, accept the reward of success as well. But, you know, it's very much a team approach. It's, it's, a, it's, it's around groups of people. And, and that's fundamentally what communities are on a much larger scale than teams. And, you know, in the Southwest, we've got, you know, the Southwest, um, it's a really interesting stat, actually. The, the Southwest tech industry you know, is larger than the entire UK and Scottish and Northern Irish fishing industry. You know, and you know, which kind of surprises people when you know they see like all these um, politicians running around, sort of, you know, shouting about fish and everything. And of course, actually, it's, you know, the tech industry is growing at you know quite considerable rate. And uh, you know, so actually, you know, seeing so many people come together today um, to you know share thoughts and ideas, um, which ultimately will help drive the industry forward in the region, is uh, great, really. Yeah, that community aspect is really important, isn't it? And especially, I guess, in your teams, when they're working together, they're more willing to help each other and probably want to help each other and, in the end, come up with a better product or, well, I don't know, whatever you build. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, one, one of the things we're working on at work, actually, is, is how we make it more effective and efficient to actually share knowledge between teams and between departments. So, you know, we're like 112 people at the moment, I think. And, and um, we, you know, so we're now looking at how do we accelerate the sharing of knowledge internally so that if somebody's got a question about you know JavaScript or React or C sharp or Unity or whatever you know whichever stack people are working in whichever IDEs they're working in you know that you know how can we allow each person when they've got a question to be able to ask everyone else in the community and, and people that they've perhaps not even met before you know so we're kind of you know, we're at a certain size now where not everybody in the company knows everyone else. You know, I, I can still just about remember everyone's name, but that's hard. Um, but it's, you know, trying to, trying to really leverage the usefulness of a large group of really talented people um, to enable them to, you know, work together or, or, or share ideas and help one another solve challenges is uh, it's one of the... It's, it's actually, it's probably one of the most exciting parts of... Um, this, you know, this stage of where you know Head Forwards is growing really, um, actually looking at how we how we really maximise the benefit of, of that, you know, what is the effect of a you know, reasonable sized community. Yeah, I guess that's a really interesting challenge, isn't it? When you get start, as your company's growing, you, you've got lots of separate teams, but trying to keep them all kind of as one community is probably something that's really important. We're split between two buildings, which is only six minutes walk apart, but, you know, that, that kind of presents a challenge. Previously we were on two floors at the same building and that even just a staircase is kind of a, a bit of a challenge because you go to different kitchens, yeah. you know, you don't bump into people in the same way. And we're about to take on some 
more space again. So we've got another 5,000 square feet um, being prepared sort of uh, by the end of this year. And, you know, again, that, 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 as, as we sort of continue to grow, we're really having to work and think a lot about how we enable people to be more connected. But I think the actual result is, of course, if you put the right mechanisms in place to allow people to communicate and share ideas, then actually, potentially, it can be more effective than if you just allowed people to wait until they bumped into somebody else in the kitchen to talk about D3 or whatever the, you know, whichever JavaScript question they've got. Or, well, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank you. It's all over. I had a fantastic day. I learned a lot of interesting things. Did you enjoy yourself? I did, yeah. I think the talk went uh, not as well as... Very I, well. Not as well as I'd hoped, but better than I expected, so I'm very pleased. Um, had some nice positive feedback. Um, met lots of friends, made lots of new friends. Um, have you found it good from a networking perspective? Did you met lots of people? Yeah, I've had a chat with some owners of companies. So that's been quite interesting, but I think that was the most in interesting thing, really, being able to chat to um, other people. And having a good excuse to do it. Yeah, that's one of the, that's the power of events like this, is that they kind of put everyone in the same space with a license for people to talk to, to everybody. To cap off the day, we got to chat to one of the organisers, Tony, that we heard from earlier, and we asked him again how his stress level was now the day was over. Uh, minus one on the stress levels, but elated that the conference is over and was a huge success. I think we hit all of our goals, or most of our goals. Um, yeah, I'm happy with it. Yeah, it was interesting to hear you say that you um, you had a sort of a level of ticket sales in mind that you thought of as being a success, um, and smashed it completely. Completely, yeah, and I think that's testament to the support the community in the southwest has for this kind of thing. It's a sorely needed event, and yeah, we're just so glad that we can be at the centre of it and support other people to attend and promote them too. Yeah, and said there was a um, community support side of it i don't know what you what you called that or if you could say more about that side of it uh, it was called community support you hit it excellent <laughs> you hit the nail on the head and um, so this conference if we take a step back started out as a university project because i was inspired by communities in the southwest and how they were supporting me and other people to get up on stage to talk but there wasn't enough exposure for them to be really successful and there wasn't a conference or event that pulled everybody together. So with my entrepreneurial head on, I thought rather than say this could be done or this is needed, I thought let's just do it. Much like your weather app. <laughs> that, that felt like a troll, I think that was a bit mean. <laughs> um, so Tony, is there gonna be a two year gap between now and the next Future Sync? No, and um, we're hoping to run this consecutively for another three years. Excellent, that's good to know. Yeah, because uh, yeah, the last, the last one two years ago was I found it was quite a milestone event for me personally. I met a lot of people, made lots of good connections, and that's kind of a marker at which I kind of I, th I do almost think of life before and life after that thing. Do you have a, a personal highlight from the day? And um, so I only managed to see one talk, and that was Zuby. Um, so I set getting Zuby to this conference as a goal on the day of the last one. So yeah, seeing Zuby and having him share his journey, because it's a grafter's journey rather than somebody who's been handed it on a plate. He's really worked hard over the years. Yeah, I would have been interested to see that one. He did seem like quite a character and someone who had done a lot in business and social media, that sort of thing. Um, and for those people who, were, who, I mean, the nature of a multi-track conference is that you, some people have, you miss certain talks at the expense of others. Is there, any, is there going to be any lasting record of the things that have happened today? Were they being recorded at all? 
Yeah, so all of the talks were being recorded and we had a little bit of a mess up on the sound early on, but um, they will all be published on our YouTube channel, which is FutureSync. Um, you can search for us and they are being published by FutureSync Media, which is a sister company to the conference. Are there recordings of last, uh, the last FutureSync as well? I can't remember. There are some, but you will be able to watch via live stream next year for the whole event. And if people want to get involved more in the community, maybe in the southwest, is there somewhere they can go that could show them all of the different events going on? Well, funny you should ask. So another FutureSync company, FutureSync Software, has built a community events calendar and we're working in partnership with 22 different communities to promote everybody in one place. So southwestcommunities.co.uk is the place to go if you're in the southwest. And we asked him for one piece of advice. Uh, so I highly recommend anybody get up onto the stage and talk. Um, being able to stand in front of a room and full of people and talk is one of the key traits of successful people, as I'm sure Tom can attest to. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's been, it's very much out of my comfort zone, but having, the, having a really hard deadline to get something done is a boon for productivity for sure. And while the lead up and maybe some of the actual presentation was terrifying, I feel great afterwards and I've had some really positive feedback from it as well and it's just been a great it's been great to be part of a conference that I've been to in the past as a, as a visitor and to feel involved in, in a bigger way it's been great keynote next year bring it on <laughs> thank you very much thanks for all your support and for putting the conference on it's been fantastic and I've had a really good informative day everything I saw taught me something new which I would not have experienced anywhere else goodbye oh goodbye Goodbye. Can we make the sound without the actual sound effect? <laughs> Cheers. That's your job well done. <laughs>